Hello and welcome to a special episode of Something Rhymes with Purple because this is our Christmas and New Year episode and you might hear a little crackle in the background. A fire is lit and opposite is Giles Bradworth. I'm excited to be here. I'm here in Oxford at Susie Dent's home and she has lit a lovely log fire and I can see the flames dancing about and it's crackling and it's all, well, it's all lovely and cosy. And one thinks of Christmas being a cosy time. I really like Christmas as a working time. I often work at Christmas. Years ago, I remember almost my happiest Christmas, my wife and I was at the beginning of a radio station called LBC. Mm. So, gosh, it's nearly, I think, 50 years ago. And we, they couldn't get anybody else to do Christmas Day. So we went in on Christmas Day and we loved it. I don't it's think it was fun working on Christmas Day. It is I quite exciting. a couple of radio things on Christmas Day and it, it's it's good. And we're going to talk about um, Christmas words, obviously, and some New Year's words. You've got some games to play, which will be fantastic. What do you do at Christmas? What, do you have a family uh, Christmas? Yes, family Christmas. My sister is just a big kid at Christmas time, so she really kind of makes it. I mean, not huge, but but lovely. Yeah, looking forward to it. My, mine is huge, but is it, lovely. With but, all your well, grandkids? Three children, seven grandchildren, all the in-laws. And they all come to you. It all adds up. Well, we're actually all going out this year for nice. the meal because nobody wants to do any work. Yeah. Uh, and that people apparently were happy to work on Christmas Day, like me. And then after lunch, we've got this big challenge because, you know, I, I, yes, I, I got this. all my grandchildren to learn a poem for Christmas Love as a present. Them. So... I'm looking forward to that. That's a fantastic much, present to which have. Which is very, very good. Um, I mentioned, uh, well, actually, I didn't mention, I was going to call our listeners purple people there at the beginning. And uh, a bit later on, we'll mention some of the brilliant suggestions that people have had as to what we collectively call our fantastic listenership. Can I just do something my father used to do on Christmas Day? Okay. This was his little test to see how, how sober were people were before they <laughs> decided to drive home. Yeah. Because once upon a time, you find this hard to believe, 60, 70 years ago, people were quite casual about drinking and driving. Happily, they aren't now. Mm. But really, people of my parents' generation, they thought it was quite all right to have a few sherries. And then if you could walk a straight line vaguely, you could go into the car and go home. And my father had a test for seeing whether he was sober enough to go home. And it was, on Christmas Day, you had to do a tongue twister or two. Oh. One of his favourite ones was this one. That bloke's back brake block broke. That bloke's back brake block broke. What's a brake block? Don't you want a brake block? Well, no. these were my dad, so I think a brake block is something that was in a car <laughs> donkeys years ago. I've no idea what it is. Give us a go at that one, can you? That bloke's back brake block broke. That bloke's back brake block broke. Okay, you're safe enough to go in your car. Though. I'll give you another one. Ted threw Fred three free throws. Ted, Ted through Fred Fred three three, three oh it's even <laughs> difficult to do once Ted through Fred three free throws Ted through Fred three three what three three throws three free throws three free throws I couldn't even get the sentence in oh my god there's another one like that three free thugs set three fr- thugs free quite difficult <laughs> isn't it interesting how difficult it is so I don't think either of us is sober enough to drive home I'm still a bit befuddled to my cold I have to say so any kind of swatteriness on my part which means when you ha- your brain's just a bit dull uh, forgive me it's there difficult. are lots of lovely words associated with Christmas I-, I know a lot about Christmas traditions I know for example that the Christmas season in my book anyway begins at the beginning of Advent it begins on the 6th of December the feast of St. Nicholas. Mm. St. Nicholas was the original Santa Claus up in the Nordics. He's known as Sinti Klaus. 
That gives yes, you Santa Claus. Exactly. Uh, and I know that the Christmas season officially ends on Twelfth Night, which is the 6th of January. Mm-hmm. And you should probably have your decorations down by midnight on the 6th of January. Though some people, real traditionalists, say you can go on having your Christmas decorations up until Candlemas, which is the 2nd of February. So that's the Christmas season. Tell us something about the Christmas words. What are your favourite Christmas words and where do they come from? Oh, I have so many. I often feel like the party people when it comes to Christmas words because some of the most romantic ones actually have quite yucky beginnings. Uh, mistletoe, famously. It originated from the perception centuries ago that mistletoe plants would burst forth as if by magic from the excrement of the mistle thrush. So it seems mistletoe would only appear on a branch or twig where birds had left their droppings because mistle is related to the German mist, which is dung, essentially. So it's dung on a twig, mistletoe. Years ago, on uh, Christmas Eve, I appeared on the BBC Radio 4 programme, the Today programme, donkeys years ago, this was, and to talk about the traditions of of mistletoe, where it came from, and the power of uh, holly and ivy and mistletoe. And I was saying, oh, what you must do with your mistletoe is you can make a most delicious Christmas drink, mistletoe tea. I was inventing this, just Mm. rambling on. And I said, all you need to do, delicious hot, boiling hot water, dip in your mistletoe. Ooh, a lovely beverage for Christmas. Within minutes, the airwaves People were saying it's poisonous. It's deadly poisonous. Oh, no. It will kill you. So (laughs) people must know that uh, mistletoe tea is deadly. I did recommend it once to the nation. But now we have so many people listening. Did you hear last week we passed the million listening Mm, in, Mark? Isn't that fantastic? Chuffing. Do you think that's the word, chuffing? I think it is. Chuffingly. We're, we're, we're chuffed by that, we but we don't want a million people dying over Christmas as a result no. of me recommending mistletoe tea. You might also perhaps want to stay away from Yule Bros, which was a, a kind of seasonal porridge made from oats, but the juices of boiled meat were poured over it. Sounds quite disgusting Is to me. Is this Yule as in Y-U-L-E? Yes, I'll come to that in a second. Good. But the tradition was to put a ring in this bowl of Yule Bros, and the person who got it in their spoon was the first who was due to be married, according to superstition. But Yule itself is quite nice. It comes from an old Norse word, Yol, which was a pagan festival at the winter solstice. When we adopted Christianity, we simply changed the nature of the festival. It lasted longer. But jolly may be linked to that Yol. So jolly and Yule, quite fittingly, might go together. Oh, so having a jolly Yule is another Mm. way of saying have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Have a jolly Yule. That's actually, that's a bit of a tongue twister itself. The gum glue grew glum. The gum glue grew glum. (laughs) Have a jolly Yule. Um, Do you have a, well, of course you do. You toast people, don't you, at your Christmas lunch? I'm partial to a toast. Me too. Shall I tell you where that comes from? Yeah, I'd love to know about that. One of my favourite stories, really, um, because it's simply, you you know, you sort of think, oh, this couldn't possibly be literal because it sounds too outlandish to be true. But this one absolutely is, because in the olden days, um, pieces of spiced toast were put into wine to improve its flavour. And it moved on to become a tribute, because when someone was being celebrated, they added flavour to the company. That was the idea, is that they brought a little bit of spice and good taste to the company. So we'd toast them, and originally we would toast them with bits of spiced toast in our wine. So you had a like a, a sort of lovely glue vine or hot wine and you popped a bit of toast in it, which yeah. was spicy. It may not have been hot and also it may not have been that nice. So oh. it may have been that it was quite cheap wine that you needed to improve. And you spiced it up with the yes. toast. Yes. Um, oh gosh, where to go from? So partridge is another one that always makes little children snigger, in my experience. Um, makes you feel a bit less romantic, certainly. A partridge in a pear tree because there's a verb in French, pete, which means to break wind. 
And um, the ancient- As in part rhyming with fart. Is that it? Partridge. Uh, partridge. Yes, it eventually gave us fart. It gave us Did all the word partridge give us fart? It gave us, it gave us, no, not partridge, but petty. Petty. Yes, and also petard. Hoisted by your own petard could essentially be exploded by your own windy pop. And there was the man, the famous man called Le Petomaine. You've heard of him? <laughs> no. This is true. Check this out. Wikipedia this. Google this instantly. You'll think it's just another of his stupid stories. It isn't. This is based <laughs> in reality. There was a French Victorian entertainer called Le Petoman. And Le Petoman's feature, what he did was he could break wind. <laughs> he was go. He was not the phantom farter. He was the professional farter. On stage, he would come on wearing a leotard, but with a little gap. Uh, by his posterior. <laughs> and he would come on stage and he would break wind to music. And the climax of his act is he would, people would come on, this is true, come on carrying candles, a lit candelabra, and Le Better Men and would bless. bend over in front of the candles, break wind and blow out all the candles. That's what I call a Christmas show. <laughs> Le Better Men. I, I will come and see it if you decide to reenact Monsieur Petermain. Anyway, yeah, because I, I think what the, the relationship with, with partridges is because the whirring sound or the churring sound of the bird's wings when taking flight reminded people of breaking wind. So, so there's that connection there. So a partridge in a pear tree is not as, <laughs> no, romantic, not as romantic and beautiful as it sounds. As you might think. What else do we have? We have um, punch. Do you like a spot of punch? Well, for my toast. A paint stripper? I like a punch with the spice toast in it, and I raise my glass of punch when I'm saying Merry Christmas to one and all. Okay, well, punch has a lovely, I think, a lovely exotic past because um, for Europe, India was this kind of um, special exotic pantry, really. It was full of spices and elixirs and strong flavours. And when the East India Company was given a royal charter by Queen Elizabeth to trade in Asia and the Pacific, all sorts of Indian words came back. And this was one of them because punch is from Sanskrit, where it means the five nectars of the gods. Um, probably bears no relationship with um, the stuff we drink today. But punch was originally made of five ingredients, milk, curd, butter, honey, and molasses. Mm. Punch, five nectars of the gods. Oh, wonderful. It's quite nice, isn't That's it? And just while we're drinking, I'll just finish off one with um, carousing. I love this one just because I love German, as you know. Carousing goes back to the German, trinken, which means to drink to the very last drop. Excellent. Well, I'm drinking to Christmas cheer. We know the origin of Christmas. The word is the mass of Christ, of course, celebrating the birth of Christ. Boxing Day, always controversial. Mm. As a child, I really did think it was something to do with boxing matches. It is in some way connected with charity, isn't it? The Christmas box left in the church where people give donations for the poor and those boxes on the day after Christmas or at Christmas time were broken open and the money distributed. Is that the sort Um, of thing? Yes, I think that did happen. I think the most traditional explanation essentially is that the richer households would give boxes with all sorts of presents and food, et cetera, to their staff on Boxing Day. Um, Also, boxes were distributed to troops who were away at war. So lots of boxes, but yes, the idea certainly was of giving, which is lovely. A box full of good things to, exactly. to give away. Any more no, Christmas words before I give um, you a well, Christmas game? Do you vamp it up? What about Christmas parties? Do you, do you vamp it up a little bit? I vamp it up. That's interesting. Mm. Well, I ramp well. it up. Do I vamp it up? I thought a vamp was a sort of lady of um, uh, who sort of made doe eyes at you. Well, what originally, what originally is... it was. Um, but it's a 20th century shortening of vampire. No. Yes. 
the vamp there, there is a different kind of vamp which involves um shoemaking as well um and something to do with with leather uppers i think but yeah she, she's a vamp is um it's simply shortening a vampire it's not very nice is it no well i shan't be vamping it up this christmas okay but of course party games are part and parcel of christmas yes and i love a party game uh, I like a simple party game, like getting everyone to do tongue twisters. I haven't done very well with you there. You know what the most difficult tongue twister in the history of the world is said to be, don't you? Uh, no, tell me. The sixth sheik's sixth sheep's sick. Can I read? Are we allowed to read it? Or is that cheek? No, cheating? I can let you read it. There it okay. is. It's the sixth sheik's... Oh, <laughs> say, say, you know the first job I had on the radio? I think I must have told you this before. Years ago, live radio. No. I was playing a young policeman, Saturday afternoon theatre, live radio. I came up to the microphone. I was playing this young detective, only had one line. This was my one line. That was the chair Schmidt sat in when he was shot. <laughs> I said it too quickly. Are you serious? I am serious. I am serious. That's why I had to give that up. That was the chair Schmidt sat in. <laughs> when he was shot. Yeah, exactly. It's a difficult line. On live radio, if you get it wrong, you don't uh, work for 30 years. That okay. was my fate. Try this one there. The sixth sheik, sixth sheik's sick. The sixth. Oh, say it again. The sixth sheep, sixth sheep, sick. Not bad. Uh, Not bad. I, I, I mean, I love it. I, I, the simple ones are often the best. Uh, often, the, you know, red lorry, yellow lorry. Oh, uh, yes. You, red lorry, yellow lorry. Shall we play a proper game? Okay. Well, I tell you, I've, I've got quite a nice game here that is a game you can actually play on your own. Yes. Can I just say, while we're talking about people on their own, because obviously there are lots and lots of people who spend Christmas, some happily, some not so happily, um, on their own. And Sarah Millican, um, the wonderful comedian, does a fantastic is she thing. She's Spike's daughter. That's actually a good question. Millican, no, it's Millican. Sorry, spelling. Um, I've been fooling people all year, introducing my friend uh, Lionel Blair, mm. who is ninety. As Tony Blair's, and I say this is dad. Tony Blair's dad. And younger people think, oh, how interesting! I knew he had some show business connection because you know Sherry Booth, his wife. People believe what you say. Is I learned, I have to say, quite early on in our countdown relationship that when you say yes that was coined in 1872 <laughs> by such and such i would think what really and i check the oed was like, uh. well this uh, is why you are the master of persuasion well and um, anyway going back to sarah's thing yes, very quickly yes. i'm not sure if it's on other platforms but it's certainly on twitter um hashtag join in and it's like a giant conversation um on twitter between people who are on their own they get talking to each other they get talking to sarah um and other people i'll be on there for a bit and it's just such a lovely, lovely idea. She does it on New Year's Eve as well. So games that people can play by themselves, excellent. Well, this is a fun game, I think, because it's a game that can involve one person or on Twitter, two people, or you could oh, yes, actually... they could play. they could play with the join-in hashtag. Absolutely. And the idea is to go through the alphabet doubling letters. So you've got to think, I'll give you an example. A, I want you to come up with the shortest word you can that contains two A's. I want you to double the letter I give you. Okay, well, the so obvious one is aardvark. The shortest word. Oh, the shortest word. That's oh, the sorry, oh, sorry. So that's sorry, very good. You okay. play aardvark, and I'm now tweeting you or phoning you up. Yes. And oh, with so a shorter I've, word. I've failed already. You failed already because I'm coming up with bar, bar, oh, B-double-A. Oh, it have to begin with it. No. Okay, got you. And the idea is we're going to go through the alphabet together. Mm-hmm. We won't go through the whole alphabet. People can do it on their own. And you've got to come up with a word that contains two letters, but it's a short, the shortest word you can. It's quite challenging when we get down mm. to Q. We've done A. Mm. Aardvark is very good. Is, is that a South African word? Um, aardvark means earth pig, and it is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ba is the noise a sheep makes. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
is that same sheep walking backwards. Oh, I had... Hey, go, go. It's Christmas cracker time. And now time. we do, do BB, do we? And now do B. BB, as in hubbub. Hubbub. Not bad, a double B, but I can do but... better than that. She loses again. Giles triumphs once more with the word You've M. got a list in front of you. Of course, because I've been playing this game since I was a boy. I'm likely okay. to win. I've been playing this game for many, many years. Okay. Eb, E-double-B. Okay. Uh, C is quite challenging. Recky. Oh, I like your quick. You're quick. It's a five-letter word. Quick, recky. Too long. Oh, hold on. Recky. No, that's okay. Five-letter word. What does it mean? Reconnoiter. Have a recky. Yes, reconnoiter. It comes. It's a, an abbreviated version of French. reconnoiter. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've got something good. Of it's course. Christmas. I'm talking a lot about two C's in it. Doesn't have to be double C. Two C's in the word. Oh, it doesn't have to be two C's together. I should have said that at the beginning. Oh this is the joy of Christmas. We've had our rum punch. It's better if they're two two letters together. Uh, well, okay, well, you can do it that way. I'm just getting you to get to the two letters, the shortest word with two letters that are the same. What's oh, the shortest? So you're talking a load of uh, what we do on D. Cock. Hey. Maybe not shout that quite so loudly. So my postman's due to arrive in a minute. Your postman's due to arrive. <laughs> well, as in he might deliver the letters and hear you shouting cock at the top of your voice. <laughs> That's all right. It's perfectly acceptable. Okay. <laughs> two D's. A word with two D's. Okay. Um, yeah. Eddie. Eddie. Add a double D. It's shorter, <laughs> isn't it? How did I miss that? But there are lots. Did, yeah. dad, dud, etc. Okay. E. Well, we, e. I've done E. What oh, no, it? we haven't done E. Uh, we. That's good. Uh, there are lots of F. Um, faff. Not bad. A four-letter word. I'd have come up with off. G. <laughs> um, egg. Very good. Egg, gag, lots of them. H, more challenge. Ha. Oh, with two H, H's. Mm. Ha. I thought, ha, is H-A. There's H-U-H, there's H-A-H. There's oh, okay. Crystals. Okay. Yeah, I suppose so. Yes. I have I beaten you? You have beaten me. I was <laughs> going to offer hi. Uh, I won that one. G-H. I. Iris. Oh, very good. Mine's longer. Icicle. Oh. Oh. You're, oh dear, I shouldn't have. I should have stopped when I was ahead. Right, last I? one. Okay, J is for jejun. Oh, well done. Oh, what does it mean? Jejun means slightly naive. I think you've got me questioning. Jejun. I think it it's does jejun, mean. I think it? it does. And people often think it's jejun because it does mean naive, and they think it means as in being young. Yes. But I think the word is jejun. J e j u n. It says jejun in the dictionary as a possible. Alternative. Alternative, yeah. Naive, simplistic, and superficial. There you go. So okay. I will just ask you for the Q one, and then I'll explain mm-hmm, the rules. I'm not sure quite. I can do Q. Um, yes, you can. It's a word you know. It's a period of five years. Quinqu- quinquennium. Quinquennium. A quinquennium is a period of five years, I think I'm right in saying. Okay. Uh, it's a fun game. So the idea is you've got to go through the alphabet. Yes. All you have to do is go from A to Z, from bar to jazz where there are two letters in the same word, as short as you can. Mm-hmm. We can do the dent variation, which is have those two letters consecutive. Mm-hmm. When you have mastered that, I invite you, listeners, if it's on Boxing Day, to take the frequency to three letters, because the task becomes significantly more difficult, but it can be done. I'm just asking you to do it with the letter A. I'll answer it for you. Banana. Oh, nice. And for Z, zzz. I'll now doze off while we take a break. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to Something Rhymes with Purple. We have a fire lit behind us if you hear a bit of a crackle, much to the consternation of Lawrence, our producer. But we like it, don't we, Giles? We love a crackling fire. 
Yeah, it's a bit windy today as well. So I'm sorry, we're thinking about Lupetro Men. People have now looked him up and have been amazed to find that he's a real person. Yeah. Extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, that will stay with me for a long time. Um, should we just I'm talk so about- sorry. I, actually, <laughs> if there is an unpleasant smell in the room, lighting a match, you know, does take the worst of it away. I know that people on board aircraft have got into trouble for doing just that. And there was a lady was was kicked off a plane because in order to hide the results of an upset stomach, she lit a match and it all went badly wrong. Oh, I can imagine. Do mm. not light a match on an aeroplane. No. Should we talk about Christmas food, though? Oh, yes, please. Um, because you and I are vegetarian. We are. Uh, are you going to be serving meat at all? No. Are you not at all? Not to your oh, family? Well, because we're eating out, they can order what oh, they want. Oh, of course, of course. But my wife and I and one of our daughters are complete vegetarians, mm-hmm. so we will be having delicious nut roast mm-hmm. um, or, you know, a mushroom wellington, whatever they, they're offering you. Oh. Just a little, little bit of a plea, because we've talked um, in the past about trying to go vegan. It's Veganuary coming up. If any of our listeners have any suggestions for a genuinely lovely vegan cheese, please could they let me know, uh-huh. because I have yet to discover one. I know in Germany they have wonderful cashew cheeses, all sorts of nut cheeses. Um, right, well, turkey, I, I, I too will not be eating meat this Christmas, but I will be serving turkey nonetheless because um, it's expected by my family, which is fair enough. And turkeys, as most people know, I think now, have nothing to do whatsoever with turkey. Uh, which is all a bit strange. And in fact, throughout the world, you will find the bird in, in the sort of native language called different things according to the country that they supposedly came from. And it's very unlikely they actually came from that country. Turkeys called turkeys because their name was originally just a generic term for any large edible bird that was imported into Europe via trade ports in Turkey. So because they're sort of stopover Included Turkey, they became known as um, the birds from from that place, which of course is a bit of a misnomer. So it could be anything from a peacock to an African guinea fowl. So Turkey was applied to so many different things. Oh, so before. legitimately, you could be serving guinea fowl and say this is your Christmas turkey, and it would be so. Yes, and of course, in Elizabethan days, they did eat, didn't they, peacock? Oh, they ate all sorts of songbirds. It was all a bit grim, I think. Anyway, I think I've mentioned before that pudding, as we had a lovely listener's question about this, that pudding uh, goes back to the French boudin, a savoury black pudding, which gave us botulism as well. Moving swiftly on, a chipolata probably comes from the Italian... Oh, I do. I mean, some of these things I do remember fondly. Chipolata's from, great. A, a chipolata sausage, yes. a little chipolata. Yes, I don't generally miss meat, but actually just the sound of chipolata sounds quite nice. Italian chipolata means made with onions because chipolata was originally an onion stew, we think, with sausages thrown in. So it was all about the onions. Uh, And in fact, there's a brilliant, brilliant story written by Thomas Munn. And it's a short story called Mario and the Magician. And the main protagonist is called Chipola. And he is essentially an allegory of Hitler. It shows how he hypnotises the audience. Uh, It's a fantastic, fantastic story. Um, And the idea is that there were sort of so many layers to him and he was all about deception. Anyway, that's just complete diversion, but it's a wonderful story. You were about to tell me something about Chipolata. Well, only to use the detailed story about the euphemism that (laughs) Chipolata is, as we all know. A story of the great Sir Noel Coward. Mm-hmm. I always think about him at Christmas time because he was born a little bit before Christmas, hence his name, Noel. Oh, okay. Noel Coward goes to see the play by David Story called The Changing Room. This is a play, a drama set in a rugby football club in the changing room. And so the scene, the, the, it was in the changing room and all these guys playing rugby took all their kit off. So we saw all these men naked. And at the dress rehearsal, there was a lot of concern. At the first, they were anxious about it, but the first performance was a great deal of concern because there seemed to be the noise of the clicking of 
of guns. Yeah, like click, 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 when the men took off their clothes. So they were going to take pot shots at the unfortunate actors who were being so bold. Anyway, this continued at every performance, this terrible clicking sound. And the actors were going out nervous. They sent the stage manager around to see what was going on. And what it was, in fact, was as the people stripped off on stage, the clicking was the noise of opera glasses hitting spectacles <laughs> as people uh, put their opera glasses up to get a, a binoculars to get a better view of what was happening on stage. So Noel Coward went to the opening night and came out uh, professing himself to be disappointed, uh, saying, I, ha- I didn't expect to pay £7.50 to see 16 acorns and a couple of chipolatas. <laughs> I love that. Oh, from acorns to nuts. <laughs> yes. What have you got to offer me? Oh, um, never mind the nut roast. Well, it's going to be chestnuts. Chestnuts. Yeah, I will be having a nut roast. And uh, also, we will be having chestnuts with our Brussels sprouts. You love sprouts? I, I love Do sprouts. you know, the sprout is the great underrated vegetable totally. of our time. Well, definitely be having chestnuts. And have you ever wondered why a frequently repeated joke or an old. It's called an old story. chestnut. It's an old chestnut. Everything I say is referred to as an old chestnut. Yes. It's kind of it's a, bit, a bit of a sort of um, damp squib, this one, I think. Um, it comes from a play called The Broken Sword, which was written um, and performed in 1816. And in one scene, a character is in the throes of telling a story. And he says, when suddenly from the thick boughs of a cork tree, he's interrupted by another character who says, a chestnut, Captain, a chestnut. This is the 27th time I've heard you relate this story and you invariably said a chestnut till now. Oh. So that's where that one comes from. How interesting. I love that. I, fellow... I kind of find it a damp squid because I want to know more. No, but I think it's rather good. It's like good. the shaggy dog story. No one, Everyone knows there was a story involving a shaggy dog, but no one knows what it was, yeah. which is annoying. One of the things I love about Christmas are Christmas trees, Christmas decorations, and the more natural they are, the more I like them. Mm. So we have a wreath on our front door that Lovely. is a real wreath. And we fill the house with poinsettias. Ah. What is the origin of poinsettia? Well, it's an eponym uh, named after uh, a man called Poinsett. I'll come to him in a minute. But it's got a really ancient, ancient uh, history, the poinsettia, because um, we have to go all the way back to the Aztecs, who used it to reduce fever. So it was quite a... It, it can... Um, give off sort of milky sap from its leaves. And it was used um, medicinally. It was also used to create red and purple dyes because, of course, it's that brilliant red. And it's said that Montezuma, who was the last of the Aztec emperors, was so captivated by it that he'd have caravans of poinsettias uh, shipped over to him because he couldn't grow them at the high altitude or his people couldn't grow them um, until there. It was called something completely unpronounceable in Aztec. Uh, You know, we get avocado from from aztec and that was an i really can't speak aztec unfortunately this one was known to the locals as oh yes <laughs> i'm sorry it's spelled we were C- doing tongue twisters earlier <laughs> c-u-e-t-l-a-x-o-c-h-i-t-l so quetlaxochitl or something similar no I'm one sure I need to find poinsettia. an poinsettia. And poinsettia but is, the, is the person who brought it over from Mexico. Yes, there's a lovely legend, though, um, going back to Aztec times, which is that a young girl called Pepita was going to her village to visit the nativity scene at the chapel, and they didn't have enough money to buy a present to give the baby Jesus at these nativity services. So she gathered just some roadside weeds formed a bouquet from those and gave it in love, even though it didn't look particularly special. But it said that upon entering the chapel and giving the bouquet, the roadside weeds miraculously turned into a bouquet of these beautiful red flowers that they pronounced in that 
for us unpronounceable way. But yes, Joel Roberts Poinsett was a botanist. Joel Roberts Poinsett. Yes, and he introduced it to the US. Um, He was the first US ambassador to Mexico, which is how he encountered it. And um, the rest is history. Wonderful. Mm, A lot of flowers are named after the people, aren't they? I've always found it Mm. odd that we call... Magnolia. A magnolia. Mm. Who's that named after? Uh, Mr. Magnolia. I think it's called Jean-Pierre Magnol. Ah, Mm. I know that the dahlia is named after Mr. Dahl. Why don't we call it the dahlia? It should be the dahlia. We should. Have I got time for one more? Oh, yeah, a new year. Then we're going to have one more game before we have your your words of the week. Yes, one more game. Well, what do you associate with New Year, really? Do you celebrate New Year? Yes. Okay. I, because I'm an optimist, I look forward to New Year... I'm going to I'm going to do what I wanted to do next. Next year is going to be the year. Every year I say this. Every year. The year that we get to number one. Oh, we get to number one. Ah, oh, it's going to be our year next year. Well, actually, this hasn't been a bad year for us. I mean, I'm such a lucky person. Every year seems to get better and better and better. Yeah. But the joy of getting older is that you feel freer. And I'm I'm going to let loose my inner anarchist next year. Ooh. That's me breaking wind into the microphone. My New Year treat. Just the yellow vest of 2020. Um, old Lang Syne. Yes. Uh, is uh, beautiful, isn't it? Um, and uh, often people wonder what that means. It's simply, I think, probably from Scots can be old, long since or long, long ago, days gone by. So it's quite wistful. And we've mentioned before on the programme that January is named after Janus, the god with two faces. Um, Who's looking again. both ways, looking Janitor back at from last. him. Yes, yeah, he looks forward. forward to the new year and back at the year past. Lots of New Year's word, New Year's words. One of which is probably my favourite. The result of uh, a lot of wine or drinking on New Year's Eve is calopsia, and calopsia is the state of mind where everybody and everything looks beautiful. Oh, lovely! I'm it's gonna... kind of almost like beer goggles. I'm a state of calopsia. It's lovely, isn't it? Do you stay up till midnight always? Not always. I'm going to Scotland this Christmas, actually, so that would be nice. And that is for fun, New Year. Because they take it much more seriously up there. They Hogmanay, do. they call it, don't they? Yes, uh, Hogmanay. Um, and we have a Hansel as well, which I think is possibly from Scottish, and it's really nice. It's a New Year's gift. Oh, I was um, thinking you were going to say Hansel as in Hansel and Gretel. No, it's... What is that? Um, How do you spell it's Hansel? It's hand and then cells. It's something oh. that you carry in your hand. It's a gift from your hand, if you like. Ultimately, it goes back to Old English, and it's just, yeah, it's just a good... Ha- you can wish someone good Hansel, but you can also give them a, a New Year's gift, um, which would be a Hansel, which I quite like. So there you go. That's Scotland. I'm really looking forward to going there. Do you have one more game for us? I've got a game to play and you can play it really any time over the holiday season, but it's a good Boxing Day game or indeed a good New Year's Day game. When you can't think of anything else to do, get yourself a piece of paper. You know what a palindrome is, don't you? Yes. A palindrome is? Something that is... The same spelled backwards. Yeah, like the name Hannah Mm -hmm. is a good palindrome. The game I want us to play is called Pseudodromes. Now, whereas in a palindrome, it's the individual letters that read the same forwards and that's backwards. Yeah. Hannah, Eve, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. In a pseudodrome, it's whole words, sentences, and the sentence can be read forwards or backwards. I'll give you an example. Bores, and some people think that people who play games like this are bores. Bores are people that say that people are bores. Bores are people that say that people are bores. Ah, Isn't that I interesting? See what you mean. You write those it's words not the down. Letters, it's the bores words. are people that say people that people are bores. You can read that forwards or backwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can do a more subtle one here, and I, this is one I'm rather pleased with because I think it's my own invention. Does milk machinery milk doze? I'm going to give you another one. Okay. So patient a doctor to doctor a patient so. So patient a doctor to doctor a patient so. A really patient doctor. So patient a doctor 
to doctor a patient so. Women understand men. Few men understand women. That's a good one. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven words. Women understand men. Few men understand women. Have any listeners been in touch? Yes. You know, we put out a plea um, for a term to describe our listeners because I much admire Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo in their lovely Wittertainment podcast. And they they just have a real community going and it would be great for us to have a label for our listeners. Don't you think? So we've got some great suggestions here. We have from Phil Goldsway, Purple Nurples. Purple Nurples? Purple Nurples. Nurples. We have from Charlie Chalkley, who sent us a lovely poem. Thank you, Charlie. Shrimers, which is a mashup of the title. Someone called Tell gets a bit more creative with sea purples because we're attempting to return to the source of words, much like a sea turtle attempts to return to oh, the seas. Lovely. Oh, I like that. Um, one of my favourites here, I think, from Laura Palmerstedt, The Perplexed. Oh, I like that. That's very good, isn't it? We are the perplexed people. Perplexed. Um, oh, I like it. And from Stuart Norman, the Pompadours, because in the British Army, the Essex Regiment, says Stuart, used to wear purple collars and cuffs on their uniforms. They were nicknamed the Pompadours because apparently Madame Pompadour's favourite colour was purple. Well, I like great that suggestions too. there. I think Perplex is probably my favourite of those. I quite like the Pompadours. Yeah? Yeah, see, they're all good. Brilliant. Well, Thank you very famous, much. If anyone else wants to send in a suggestion for the collective term for purple fans, it's purple at something else.com. Do you have your trio of words to take us into the new year? I certainly do. Um, we talked about uh, nudity on stage a little bit earlier. So here you have got a fairly obscure term, might come in useful over Christmas because it's the time of arguments, let's face it, as well as love and confelicity, which, as you know, means happiness and someone else's pleasure. To gymnologize is to have an argument in the nude. Oh, I like that. Gymnologize. Oh, excellent. That, course, of course, is related to gymnasium, which oh, is uh, Greek for exercising naked. So gymnologize is to have an argument in the nude. Uh, the second one is an eye servant. An eye servant is somebody who only works when the boss is looking. Oh, that's really good. These are really good words you've come up with this week. And the third one is somewhere you might want to go to if it all gets a bit much and you just want to escape for a little bit of um, silence and, and uh, pondering. And it's the frontistry, which is P-H-R-O-N-T-I-S-T-E-R-Y. P-H-R-O-N-T. O-N-T-I-S-T-E-R-Y. Oh, frontistry. And it's a place for contemplation. It could be your loo, could be your shed. Under the duvet. Under the duvet. If you're frontistry. frontistry. Mm-hmm. Um, after your game of after gymnologizing, you go for some frontistry. I like that. Where do you go for contemplation? Um, I tend to go to my little study. It's oh, got my you? books there. Yeah, I think so. I go for a walk. I'm a great walker. I go so. to the coffee shop and order uh, tea. Actually, yes. gaze into the middle distance. Are you going to return to coffee? Is that your new? No, no, I'm not returning to coffee. I'm sticking with all. I'm, I'm going to be giving up more things. No, yeah. I'm embracing more things yeah. next year. Well, look, we are going to be back on. I think it's Tuesday week. Yes, um, and uh, and also we're going to be live somewhere quite soon on the 14th of January in Islington, in London. Which, uh, given that we have listeners literally all over the world, a lot in North America, a lot in India, fly in from around the world. Meanwhile. 
Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I'm Giles Brandreth. This is Susie Dent. And please, if you did enjoy this podcast, it'd be great if you could give us a nice review or recommend us to a friend. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer or would simply like to get in touch, you can email us. Don't forget at purple at somethingelse.com. Something Rise with Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Lawrence Bassett with additional production from Jemima Rathbone. That's a new one. Steve Ackerman and... Gully. I'm off to my frontisserie. Frontisserie. Oh, frontisserie. Frontisserie. It's not the patisserie, it's the frontisserie. <laughs> <There you are. laughs> I got carried away by the idea of the gymnology. <laughs>